This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 335, recorded on Monday, September the 11th, 2017. Welcome to the program, Jason. You know what happened two days ago? No. This podcast... Well, probably, but it depends on... I don't know what you're talking about. Let's just say that. Well, I'm going to tell you. This podcast had its eighth birthday. Oh, eighth birthday, eh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you to listener Bianca in the Philippines for reminding me. She's she's funny. She's always very good at reminding me about stuff like that because I woke up on Saturday and just went about my day, didn't think of anything, and then I got a Facebook message from her saying that uh, September 9th is podcast birthday day, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's the 8th wow. birthday. Isn't that exciting? It is exciting. Eight, eight years. Holy friggin' crap. Well, that's kind of what I thought, too. Eight years is a long time to do anything. And here we are, have, having now done 334, working on 335 episodes of this podcast. So, eight years, man. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations to you, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, congratulations to everyone listening, too. If you've been with us for just one episode or for all 335 over eight years, it is wonderful to have you aboard. It's either congratulations or my condolences, depending on whether or not you've listened. Some people might listen to the show because they hate it so friggin' much. I suppose it's possible, and I don't know how I feel about that, but hey, they're listening, so. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, you, know you, you take what you can get. That's right, exactly. Uh, but anyways, happy birthday to the podcast. Now, speaking of eight years of podcast and podcast website, if you've been to our site in the last couple of days, you may have noticed it looks a little different, and that is kind of on purpose and kind of not. Uh, I was having some trouble with it trouble with the host. And as I was screwing around with it, I realized that it's using a WordPress theme. It is a WordPress based website, but it's using a theme that is just as old as the podcast. It's the original site we put up all those years ago. And some of the features of that theme are no longer even supported by WordPress. So it was starting to really, really show its age. So all I wanted to do is just pull it down and replace it with something super basic and super simple for now, and maybe slowly work on it and improve it a little bit, which I know is not the best way to do things, but hey, it's it works better than it did as of this point. You're, well, good. I mean, it's you know, you're going to improve it a little bit, yeah? I guess so, but I also kind of like the minimalist <laughs> look of it now, so right. I might I might go with that a little bit. Slowly reintroduce some things that were on the old one just to make it a little bit more fleshed out, but... Uh, it is different. It is new. We're not going to go back to what we had before. Um, so, you know, if anyone comes up with any or anyone finds any serious issues, let me know. Send an email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, but I think for now it should, you know, do the trick. Yeah. Having a website is so 2009. It really, really. is. All we really need is an RSS feed. Uh, the website yeah. just kind of is there to facilitate that. But we're going to keep it. I have a domain name, but I don't have a website. Well, yeah, but uh, that doesn't help us. <laughs> I used to have a blog, but I, you know, shut it down because what a waste of time that was. Well, you stopped using the internet in general, so you don't need a blog. Yeah. You don't need Facebook. You don't need Twitter. You don't have any of that stuff. No, I, uh, I, yeah, 
for working on the internet, I really don't use it a whole lot. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, we do. We have the site. It's talkingdeadpodcast.com. The important stuff is there. And uh, this episode will go up there as well. And hopefully, you know, fill up the RSS feed and spread around as it should. So we'll yep. find out. Cool, cool. Um, okay. And I think that is all the preamble for today. Other than maybe saying since we're coming back for the mid-season premiere of Fear the Walking Dead, if this happens to be the first time you're listening to us, welcome to the podcast. I hope you dig what we do here. And, uh, you know, you can send your questions or comments to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and welcome if you are if you are new. All right, let's move on. We are going to talk about two episodes of Fear the Walking Dead this week. Cool. Hey, Jason and Chris, here's your title read. Minotaur and the Diviner. Thank you, Lee and St. Catharines, for the title read. Um, I often forget to remind people that we love to have title reads, so thanks, Lee, for sending that one in. If you would like to hear your voice on the show... Get out your phone or uh, whatever other recording device you have. Look up the title for an upcoming episode, record it, send it in to us, and I'll do my best to play it as we uh, get into the recap here. Cool. Very good. All right, so Jason, we've got two episodes to cover. Episode 9 and episode 10 of Fear, which is back for the second half of season 3. As Lee said, it's Minotaur and Diviner. Minotaur is the first one. And, um, what do you want to do? Do you want to give sort of some general thoughts on both of them as a whole or, or I have notes on each one specifically. I also have notes on each one specifically, so I'm good with whatever format you feel is the best format. All right. Well, the first thing I want to say is that I don't like these double episode nights. It's, uh, it's just kind of killer to be honest with you it's too much work is that the problem well i mean i stayed up until 1 30 a.m last night to watch both of the episodes and then at that point i had still only seen them each once and not made a single note unlike right. a normal night where i watch it twice a single episode i watch twice on a sunday night and make all my notes so you know monday i'm not scrambling to get it done because i have to go to work and all those other things so I was up till 1.30 watching both last night. Uh, I crammed in a second watch of both episodes after work today. So I pretty much just finished. If you hadn't, you know, delayed the podcast by a half an hour doing per family stuff, I <laughs> it might have been tight there, but, you know, I made it. He, he's still not asleep. Oh, well. I, I was up with uh, Jasper who uh, refused to, uh, he refused to not find anything funny. So everything was funny. His leg yeah. kicking was funny. Everything was funny. He's still, I got the monitor on. Jenny's trying to get him to go to sleep right now. And he's sitting up looking at her going, uh, hey, well, can I play with a truck? Do you have a truck? Can I have a play with a truck? Well, you know, maybe you should just let him stay in there a little while on his own and he'll get bored and fall asleep. I don't know. Right. Some kids do that. Uh, anyways, I think what I might do in the future is book off Monday for like big episodes or season finales or premieres or something, because that gives me the whole day to just watch TV <laughs> and get ready to record a podcast. Yep. That's a good idea. I think I'll do that from now on. Use up my vacation. Uh, you should book every Monday off from now until what, uh, November something, late November? Uh, late, no, late December is when the main show will take its hiatus, but there you uh, go. why don't I just book every Monday off from now until, you know, 2024 when yeah. the show is hopefully well, still going, but who knows? Nice. All right. 
let's talk about Minotaur. Um, this one opens with a bit of a musical montage uh, with a song playing called, actually, I don't know if it's called Death is Not the End, but one of the prominent refrains of lyrics in the song was Death is Not the End. And uh, it, 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 I guess this montage just sort of focused or, or served as a, a reminder a little bit of what's going on. That mm -hmm. You know, Nick is there. He's working with the militia people. Jake is sick. And uh, just to bring us, get us back up to speed with what's happening at the ranch. I found it a little cheesy, but I didn't mind it. What do you think of this song montage? Well, I thought it was... I... <sighs> I thought the montage itself was was okay, but the the song was a little too on the nose. Uh, you know, a religious song, you know, repurposed for uh, the undead have uh, risen and uh, are trying to eat you. Pretty much. <laughs> I, yeah, so I, I guess overall I thought it was kind of cheesy as well. Yeah, but at, at the same time I didn't mind it. It sort of eased us back in. Here's what's going on. Um, the little bit at the end where the song had finished and Troy referred to Nick as a poet. I didn't really feel like that felt like natural dialogue to me. It was sort of, it was a little bit too yeah. written to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't see Troy saying that, but again, it didn't bother me that much and it did sort of get me, get me back into the episode or into the series, I guess. Yeah. I mo it moved it forward. Uh, yeah. I thought that that was a little, uh, over the top. Yeah. calling him a poet and it's like why are you it's like why are you calling me a poet is that a compliment or an insult or what is that well that's the thing i'm I'm not even sure and i don't think even nick was sure right he's like what are you doing yeah. man you're weird um now and the whole cold open ends if i'm not mistaken with the people walker's people uh showing up uh to move into broke jaw ranch yeah so they're all coming together and this episode was really a lot about, I guess, the beginnings of the conflict between the two groups and them trying to live together and survive together. Um, and to just give us an idea of how that's going to go. Although I feel like I had a pretty good idea of how it was going to go, you know, right from the beginning. Yeah, I found this whole episode frustrating and it made me angry on a number of occasions and i thought it was just me because i've been in crappy mood all day uh so i watched it again when i watched it a second time it still pissed me off no that's unfortunate i often find that a second watch really brings out more of an episode for me so i tend to like them a little bit better when i watch them a second time um but I guess that doesn't always happen. And in your case, it certainly didn't this time. Well, it was Madison specifically. She made like just dumb decision after dumb decision after dumb decision. Well, let's talk about Madison. What, what, what did you think she, you know, did wrong in this episode? <sighs> other than everything. <laughs> well, other than everything, every time they made a decision, she backed away from it. Like, okay, so let's have two keys to the guns. That's a great idea, just like a uh, nuclear submarine in the movies anyway, where you have to have two keys. You, you know, turn both turn the keys, and that's the whole purpose of that is to prevent one person from going off half cock and going, I need to launch these nuclear weapons. You have two keys to the guns. You both need to agree on when they're going to be used, and they sort of agreed to the fact that it would be used to fight external foes, not internal. And then uh, all of a sudden, it's like, give me the other key. And Madison's like, yeah, give me the other key. He'll have all the guns, and that's going to be excellent. It's it, like, 
What are you, an idiot? It did seem a little bit weird. So I thought the idea was a good one. Two keys to the arsenal. Um, Absolutely. As we talked about, I think, last time uh, in the trailer, you know, they, they showed some of these scenes where they're giving them the tour of the supply room and the arsenal and so on. And you were talking about how crazy it is that they show up and the first thing they do is show them everything they have. Yeah. Which, you know, is a little bit, a uh, little bit odd, but I, I felt like at first the two key rule saved that a little bit. Like it made sense, you know, you both yeah. need to agree to go in and get the stuff, but then you're right. The so- the second something goes wrong, it's like Walker demanded the other key and Madison went along with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it was, was just, it was stupid. It, it was, it, it was weird. And I understand, you know, that guy, um, I think his name was Terrence. He took a gun to the picnic and tried to shoot uh, one of Walker's people. And that's bad. That needs to be dealt with. And it's a it's an indication of the feeling of the people of all the people there. Right. But right. It shouldn't um, it shouldn't supersede these rules you have just because there was one bad apple in the bunch. I don't think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the whole purpose of having two keys is so you don't grab a bunch of guns and start threatening people with them. You know, that just kind of went out the window four seconds after making the rule. <laughs> four seconds, like, yeah. I mean, Rick's done the same thing, right? We don't shoot people. Next thing he does is shoot somebody in the face. Yeah, right? that's true. We don't. So Rick's done it, but that was probably a dumb decision. No, that probably was a good. Oh, it's so tough. It's such a gray area. I think this particular decision that Madison made was stupid. I think she should have, she should have backed Troy a little bit more. Or at the very least, stayed out of it. Um, but she's Madison. She can't stay out of it. The problem is, in one scene, she'll be working sort of with Walker. And in another scene, she'll be working with Jake. I mean, not Troy. Uh, I said Troy a second ago. But Jake, who was, yeah. you know, trying to keep the peace. Being Jake, he's that's what I like about him. He wants to talk things out. He doesn't want to just shoot everybody all, all the time. Um but Madison, yeah, she's a little bit all over the place. So one minute she's working with Jake and one minute she's working with Walker. And yeah. and didn't Alicia at one point say that to her? She she accused her of back channeling with uh with Walker. Yeah, absolutely. You know, which I I guess just means you're you're playing both sides here. You can't do that. You got to pick a side and stick to it. Yeah, it's it, she's not she's not acting with a lot of integrity. She's just kind of back well, which is good for, you know, if she was going to be evil, great, fantastic. But, you know, don't make dumb decisions like giving somebody else access to all the guns. Like, good Lord, take, you know, give the spread out the keys, but then have your own master key so that you have access to all the guns. That's the way to be a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. And I use the guy uh, term in a gender neutral kind of way. Right. If she is indeed trying to be a bad person, then yeah. she shouldn't, then she needs to well, she needs to have her own agenda, right? And you could argue that she does have her own agenda. She's just trying to work it from both sides of this community. Yeah. And her own agenda is to keep her children safe. That's what she keeps saying. And I do believe her, but... But that's why you need all the guns, or at least access to all the guns. But giving away access to all the guns is not going to keep your children safe. I guess not. But don't you sometimes have to give something away to, you know, keep something, if you know what I mean? That like, only works with birds. Oh, really? Words? If you let it go and it comes back, it's yours. If it doesn't, oh. it never was, that kind of thing. All right. It isn't works. That, with... Isn't that referring to birds? Yeah, I guess so. Birds, not referring guns. It doesn't work. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Guns won't come back. Guns. If you let a gun go, it doesn't come back on its own. No, it doesn't. 
Yeah. Uh, now, let me ask you this. This whole arrangement of, of the two groups living together on the ranch, um, we saw a scene in the evening where Jake and Walker get up to speak in front of their groups and, you know, they're talking about working together, sharing supplies and Walker gives a speech about fear creating fury and the two communities have to become one and that they can refocus their fury, you know, on the external threat outside the walls, which is, which is the infected. Um, I must admit, I really liked those speeches. I thought both of them stood up and said some really important and intelligent things, but I must admit, I was never convinced for a second that this arrangement was going to last more than, you know, longer than it did, which doesn't seem like it was very long. I didn't like those speeches. Those speeches were all Yoda. Fear leads to hate and hate leads to the dark side and live together, die alone. Right. That that's basically was a mashup of those two speeches. It seemed very derivative to me. Well, I didn't really think so. I thought those two guys were the two leaders of these groups. They, they stood up and they said their, their bits and they agreed with each other, right? They're more or less saying the same thing in their own ways. And I was hoping that the people would listen. I was hoping that everyone would say, yeah, you know what? You guys are right. We need to all just get along. I'm such a pacifist, obviously. I, I just people want, don't listen. I just want people to get along and be when happy. Is, when have people ever listened? Yeah, people don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose they're not going to start now, but I don't know. I, I enjoyed what those guys had to say, and I was hoping they would. Um, and, and I know this is a TV show. I know you have to have conflict and this and that, but I was hoping that, that they would be able to work it out for a little while at least, um, which didn't happen. I mean, things started to yeah. fall apart the second, as we've already talked about, the keys to the guns were traded. And of course they started introducing the whole water shortage in this episode a little bit too, which is going to lead to arguments and fights later on. So there was too much to go wrong here. Yeah. And it obviously did very quickly. Yeah, it didn't, there was no peace to last even a little bit. It was just all animosity from the moment they showed up, which kind of makes sense. Uh, you know, there was a lot of animosity to begin with and trying to hammer them together without, uh, yeah, I don't know. You should never let people sit on their hands. Never. Always <laughs> give them something to do. <laughs> That's true. You know, Boredom. You know, build, uh, build a wall around their encampment. Uh, dig a trench. Uh, do something. Get the community involved in some kind of uh, large uh, community works of some kind. And, you know, I don't mean to skip ahead to the end, but that's more or less what happened at the end of the second episode. It is. You know, we'll get to that in a minute, but the communities came together with a common purpose. They stopped fighting over the water and started working towards it. But let's get to the second episode in a bit. The other big thing, of course, that took place in um, episode number nine is the Troy stuff and the big shootout in Jeremiah's old house. Yep. Um, what do you think of Troy? He's obviously at the end of his rope. I hesitate to say he's lost his mind. That was the first note I made. But I think he's just steadfast in his ways he doesn't see any other um path to take here with these people and that's why he uh, goes a little nuts at the end there and decides that a giant shootout in a house is the way to handle this i think he's just a uh 
uh, an angry, angry person, just uh, looking to be contrary to whatever the hell is going on uh, and wants to, uh, you know, just watch the world burn. <laughs> I don't think there's any thought or rhyme or reason. I don't think there's a, uh, a you know, a rational mind in there to lose. So it's like, he didn't lose his mind. It's just like, okay, this is what I'm opposing now. Yeah. And it's come to this point where I'm sitting at a desk where there's a gun and they're looking for guns and I better use it or lose it. And then that's the, the inciting factor for the whole shootout. Yeah. And that's why I, you know, I wrote down he's lost his mind, but I, I reconsidered that because you're right. He's either just not thinking it through or he just has decided he believes one set of facts or he believes one thing and nothing is going to change his mind and he's going to act on it. And this happens to be the way he thinks is most appropriate to act. And of course, he contrasts his brother in every way possible. His brother wants to talk things out, peaceful resolution, work hard to live together in peace. Troy is clearly willing to die before he lives with Walker's people. Yeah. And, and I couldn't help but feeling from this point on in the episode he was almost trying to sort of commit suicide by, I don't know, it's not really suicide by, it's like suicide by invader that he, or what he perceives as an invader, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a guy, there's people surrounding me with guns and uh, I have access to one, so I'm going to have a shootout. Yeah. You know, maybe he wants to die. I don't know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think he wants to die, but it's, it's the whole suicide by cop mentality, right? You go out, yeah. walk around the streets with a gun. You're trying to get shot by a police officer. He's trying to get shot by pretty much anyone that will, will do it for him. Um, and I mean, it also, it almost works except that he's barricaded himself in a house. So he has that defense between him and, and Walker's people who are firing back. Now, Nick is in there too. Yeah. And I must admit, I found it a little bit bonkers that Nick let that go on for as long as he did. And, and I'm not sure what that says about Nick, because I feel like Nick could have ended that a lot sooner than, uh, than he did. How so? Well, disable, uh, Troy somehow shoot Troy, shoot him, uh, shoot him not fatally, like wound him so that he can't. You know, he's, he's down and out, but not dead. I mean, well, I feel like- should have been shot like six times by like four different people in this episode. Well, sure. But at least Walker's people were outside of the house and he had the cover of the house, right? Nick is yeah. right in there. Um, you know, maybe Nick didn't have a gun at that moment, but I, I just feel like there's something he could have done. Instead, he spent most of it in a way trying to talk Troy down and that clearly wasn't working after a while and eventually Nick lost his temper and sort of beat him to the ground. Yeah. But I, I felt it went on a little bit long. Um, the other thing, and this comes back to, to Madison here is right before the shootout starts, Madison comes to one of the windows, remember? And mm -hmm. she's talking to Troy and Nick and she says, I want to save both of you. I want you with me. And at that moment, Troy hesitates he kind of looks at Nick and then Walker's men start shooting. So, um, I really found that interesting. They didn't make Troy shoot first, right? That's true. You know, he was there, you know, he was all pumped up. He was ready to go. And then Madison comes to the window and says something to him that I think made him think twice for a second until somebody else opened fire. 
So I don't know. I, I, I feel like Madison almost got through to him in that moment. Almost, but she knows him. Why would she even try? Well, I, I knew that he, they wouldn't be able to talk him out of doing this. I know. You knew that. Why didn't Madison? Because her son was in there. Because Nick was in there too. So she was trying anything she could, she could to keep Nick safe, right? Yeah. So walk up and say, hey, it's me. I need to talk. Bang. You know, shoot him in the head. Yeah, I guess so. But this is her just doing her thing. Um, I don't know. I think she almost did talk him down, which I, I think is the most interesting part because he kind of hesitated. But then as soon as they started shooting, that was it. He was all in. Um, this, this didn't even rise to the level of the top three stupid things that Madison did this episode. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm pretty sure there's, I know at least one of the other stupid things, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but the only other thing I wanted to say about this shootout is, well, two things. One, I wish they'd done it in the daytime. Uh, the whole thing felt too dark to me. And, uh, I don't know, maybe it's my TV, maybe it's the whatever, but I wish it was just a little bit better lit. I feel like I could have seen what was going on a little bit better. Um, and then the other thing is the scene where Nick admits to Jake that he was the one who killed Otto and Otto didn't commit suicide, like Madison said. I thought that was a great scene. A great it was scene. Okay. I thought it was really good. Well, I, thought... I was a little ball of anger at this point, so it's hard to <laughs> let go. Yeah, I know. The reason I liked it, it's almost the way it was shot that made me like it so much. I mean, the idea that Nick admits this to him and this is kind of what gets Troy to, to stop what he's doing is, is fine, but the camera's on Nick. Nick says, I killed your father. It slowly pans over to Troy and you see his reaction and then you see him turn the gun back towards Nick and then it cuts to Nick and then it cuts back to Troy and it does the pan back the other way. And, uh, and then... And then Troy lowers, lowers the gun, but I just really liked it for some reason. I thought it was a really interesting Nick to Troy camera swing and you get kind of both of their reactions from it right. and in, yeah. in one shot. So I think they did a good job with that. And, uh, you can just see Troy totally lose his desire to, to live anymore. And he doesn't even care to continue the gunfight at that point. And then they yeah. bust in the door. Yeah. And don't shoot him for some reason. Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. Don't shoot him. I didn't even consider that, but they probably would have shot him. <laughs> yeah, probably. I guess. Uh, instead they take him, put him in a room, let him say goodbye to his brother and decide to exile him. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about exile in this case? Uh, exile is probably the best option they could have, uh, come up with. Cause if you kill him, you martyr him. Right. And you just, uh, that's probably not the best thing to do. You can't, uh, lock him up forever, but they could at least have had a trial instead of just doing it. I mean, even some kind of kangaroo court, uh, you know, we, we, we were talking about justice and how you're going to get justice. You get justice by having everybody say their piece and accusing him of something and let him stand up for himself. And if it's not good enough, uh, you pronounce a sentence, which in this case, exile. Yeah. I don't think you need a trial though. I mean, there's clearly nothing. A, a town hall. Sit him down and say, you know, this guy did some bad stuff. We got to. We got to exile well, instead we, of just doing it summarily without any kind of community involvement. Well, I, I get there was no community involvement, but we did at least see 
the supposed leaders of the two communities, Madison and Walker, talk about it and decide what to do. And Madison yeah. said, uh, was it was it she her who said the same thing you just did? You can't make a martyr out of him, like kick him out. Yeah. Um, exactly. You can't kill. Him. No, you can't kill him. So, I mean, at least we saw that there was some discussion of what to do. OK, so this is like this also doesn't rise to the level of the three stupidest thing that Madison did in this episode. But uh, it's like they've never seen a TV show or watch the news or uh, you, you have to get community buy in. You have to you have to get their buy in in order to be able to to have them be on board with whatever you're trying to do. You can't just do stuff to your community. You can't do it because they just won't listen. Right. That at some point they're going to rebel. Oh, we have to water ration all this water. That's, this is just the way it is. And then later on, they explain why it's like, no, it's just like, okay, here's the situation. This is what we plan to do about it. We need your help. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, you talk it through. It's like, no, I need, you know, more water for the horses. Okay. We'll have to make allowance for that. We didn't allow for uh, livestock to survive. We only thought of the people. That's a very good point. Thank you for bringing that up. And you get their buy-in. It's not that hard to figure out. So that's stupid thing number two that Madison did? No, no, did? that's not, that's not, still doesn't even rise to the level of the three stupidest things that Madison did in this episode. We, that's just a, they're not doing, like, they're not leading this community in any way, shape, or form. It's just a fucking madhouse. No wonder it fell apart. Actually, I think that when you outline it like that, that does sound like an incredibly bad decision to move forward. I think that happened in the, in the next episode, technically, but it doesn't matter. To, to ration water and not, um, and make it so simplified that, yes, there's not enough water for horses or not enough water for whatever you might need water for besides just drinking. Um, you know, it's not its only purpose, but, uh, you know, now that you put it that way, that really does to me feel like one of the dumber things you could do. And you're just breeding, um, you know, insecurity amongst people at that point, And you're just yeah. asking for them to revolt. I mean, Chris, you've lived, uh, in some kind of society for the last, uh, 30 some odd years. Yeah. 40 some odd. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't want to, you know, judge. Everyone knows uh, how old or we are. Out you on your age. Don't worry. Uh, and you also worked for a company uh, off and on during that period? For many, many of those 40 years. Okay. You, you're aware that communities have uh, town hall discussions and uh, that uh, even your companies that you've worked for, worked for have had town hall discussions. Sort of like Do all- Do you know what the point of those are? To, to get uh, community um, consensus. Yes, to have the community feel like you're hearing them right. and helping them get uh, to get their buy-in for what you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do, yeah. And even like in my job where, where uh, you develop software for to companies to meet some kind of need, you still, you need stakeholders because you can't just build this software and then have it uh, and then do it to them. It's like, no, I don't, you know, I want to make you use this software. I want you to, I want your input. Like, what's the right way to do it? You know, mm-hmm. tell me what you need instead of just like, oh, I'm going to do it this way. No, this is the way you worry, you know, you do your business now. It doesn't work. Nope. And it doesn't work when you're building software or you're trying to run a ranch in the zombie apocalypse. Right. You got water problems. Like, Jesus, Work tell the- people you got water problems. Wh- wh- and it doesn't look like this whole friggin' water problem is a secret. I mean, that's probably on the land, right? People wander around. They're going to see like, holy shit, what happened to the lake? Well, I think the lake technically is outside the, the ranch land. 
and it that lake feeds the wells that are on the land. So people might not be going out to check the lake, but um, uh, so so it's conceivable that they didn't know that the lake was empty. Oh well, then it's obviously conceivable that there's undead wandering into the lake and getting stuck and, and contaminating the whole damn thing. Well, there's that too. Absolutely, you should but, build a fence around that and protect it. Well, sure. But I, I think, you know, when, when we have these speeches that I was saying how much I liked about working together and being honest and all these sorts of things, then going and hiding the fact that there is a water shortage, yeah. those contradict each other, those two ideas. And as you said, no wonder people started to get upset. Yeah. And then they also wanted to take away all their guns. People don't like that. No. We're here to take all your guns. <laughs> Hope that's okay. No, people really don't like that, even though it's never no. happened to me. You know, I still have all my guns. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. well, <laughs> all, all zero of All them. zero of mine I still have. That's right. <laughs> Nobody's tried to take zero of your guns away. That's correct. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, do you want to get into what one of your other stupidest things Madison did? Or, or can I say something about uh, exiling Troy? Oh, it is about exiling Troy. The last two things are specifically related to exiling Troy. All right. Well, number one for me then is that Troy being exiled, I must admit, I was hoping they wouldn't bother to go down this route. I feel like we've kind of seen it before. You know, someone does something terrible, but you don't want to kill the character because he's a good character and you probably want to have him come back someday. So we'll exile Carol, I mean, Troy, and send him away for you know whatever and then troy can always come back when we need him right or right or whatever so i kind of was hoping they would just take a stance and be like we're either killing troy or locking him up or something but nope they went for exile and then i liked it even less to be honest once madison got out on the road with him and everything that happened out there and she still let him walk away Okay, so that's the the first thing uh, is when he stabbed himself in the hand and then used that as a shock and awe tactic in order to stab that guy who was cutting his bonds. I forget his name. It translated to left hand, which yeah. was awfully convenient. Yep. Uh, but uh, so he was he stabbed him once in the upper chest, right? Which could have been a sucking chest wound. Could not be. He could be dead. He could not be dead. Uh, but he was standing over this guy with a knife and Madison didn't shoot Troy. Yep. Madison should have shot Troy. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Cause you know, we're exiling you, but then he attacked another person and, uh, proves that, uh, he's unrepentant and, uh, can't be trusted and is a menace to our societies. She should have just shot him outright right then. The third thing she did wrong was when he got out of the van, out of the back of the truck with that knife and was in arm's reach of her with a knife. I want everybody to look up a YouTube video called Knife Versus Gun, The 21-Foot Rule. <laughs> you have to be 21 feet away from a knife-wielding maniac with a holstered firearm. You have to be a minimum of 10 feet away from a knife-wielding maniac with a weapon that is unholstered and pointed 
at the guy with the gun or with the knife because you can get within, you can traverse 21 feet in less than a second and a half. You do not have time to deal with any situation between then before you're going to get stabbed or cut or something. You have to be a minimum of 10 feet away in order to get two shots off and get out of the way of the knife because two shots is not necessarily going to be enough to stop that guy. So Troy was standing within arm's reach of her with a knife. Mm-hmm. That was a recipe for him grabbing the weapon and getting control of her. That was inevitable. It was obviously going to happen. Uh, anytime you watch a video or even anything uh, where they're talking about how to disarm somebody with a firearm, you're standing right next to them. Because that's an absolute necessity to be within arm's reach, to be able to get that get control of the situation right. before they can pull the trigger. Right. So what do you do? You back the fuck off. Right. And if they keep coming at you with that knife, you pull the trigger. Yes. And the only defense I can say maybe is that Madison might not know these things. She is not a trained person with a gun and she, you know, he had just stepped out of a pickup truck, which she was standing right behind. So yes, she should have backed off, but she probably didn't realize that she probably didn't know. But I totally agree with you. She was way too close to him to have any hope of not being or, or, or of not giving him a chance anyways to knock that gun out of her hand, which he did. Yeah. And then he, uh, after wrestling with him for a little bit and uh, having the firearm fall down and she got control of it again and everything worked out happy, happy. He's like, okay, now you go away. Just shoo. Yeah, you sure you have a firearm with one. Uh, that was only the only thing I liked about this whole episode was that he got one knife, one gun, one bullet. That was fun. I liked that. Right. We decided so, to exile you instead of execute you. If you prefer the uh, the other yeah. option, then you know you got one bullet. Um, I wish she had shot Troy as he walked away. I I kind of thought for a second they were going to do it, and that may sound a little cold and heartless of me, but I feel like it would have been a fitting end to his story. He, he, he created a massive shootout in a house. He's killed people. He killed a whole friggin' family of his own people, which is crazy. And now he, like you were saying, he attacked this guy in the back of the truck. He attacked Madison and there are almost no redeeming qualities to this character. And I feel like he just fell down to the bottom and this would have been a fitting end to his story if yeah. she had killed him at that moment. But no, she let him go. And the only real reason I think the show gives us for that is that she feels guilty for killing his father or at least being a part of killing his father, even though she didn't pull the trigger. So she's letting him go as a way of kind of saying, I'm sorry, I killed your father. Yeah. yeah. His story should have ended. 100% agree. His father's story ended. His sh- story should have ended at this point. And um, I don't like that they let him go because it does mean he's just going to come back uh, at some point. Or he might need not even be gone that long for all we know. You know, he could be in every episode for the rest of this season. Maybe he'll join up with the group from the dam or this other group at this uh, trading post thing that's introduced in the next episode. So... I don't know. I just wish he was dead. And I think Madison should have pulled that trigger. Yeah. The only way he can come, the only reason, okay. So he's not dead and he's out there. The only, there's only two possibilities now. Uh, He comes back as a bad guy 
Or he comes back as a Deus Ex Machina or something like Carol did when they uh, saved them from Terminus. Right. Exactly. Like she, she's going to show up and save the day out of nowhere, or he's going to show up uh, leading a band of bad guys and he's going to be like the big bad guy again. It's like, oh, now we're going to deal with this shithead again. Yeah. That happened to the governor. That's right. right. He got away and then he came back with a tank. It's mm-hmm. like, no, you just, oh, nobody, Okay. We're a step removed. Madison wasn't there for the governor. She wasn't there for uh, Carol coming back. Uh, you know, she doesn't know these things. Okay, granted, she still should have shot the bastard in yes, the back yes. of the head, at the very least while he was walking away. You're right. To be fair, we can't, we shouldn't compare this to the main show because they're two completely different shows. You know, they do not overlap. Um, but storytelling wise on this show, I feel like, Troy needed to die and they kind of chickened out from it. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, one other thing, uh, in this episode really is that they introduced, or there was a few scenes with the people at the dam, uh, um, Daniel Salazar and those folks over there. Uh, they seem to be distributing water to people. Um, uh-huh. they're trying to do, do right by people by they have all this water and they're trying to distribute it to them. But after a little while it goes wrong because people get greedy and so on. Um, the only real scene I wanted to address here though, is at the first scene we get of them giving out water, Daniel is on the truck and he appears to be keeping watch. And at one point he sees some zombies approaching, but doesn't say anything. And I got the feeling he almost didn't trust what he was seeing. He kind of shakes his head a little bit. And it's like, he doesn't trust what his eyes are seeing. And I wasn't sure exactly what was going on there. Um, so can you enlighten me at all? I, I cannot. No. Because, uh, yeah, I saw them and I was like, nobody else sees them. He sees them. Why doesn't he say anything? And then some other guy yells, you know, they're coming. There's a bunch coming from this direction and that direction. Let's hurry. Let's get out of here. And then. Well, they called them infected. They did, but that's what they do, right? That's what they're called. No, I just thought that was fun. Yeah. Um, but, but, but then things, you know, people get in a bit of a panic and they, they scatter, but Daniel sees them and he doesn't say anything. So I wasn't sure what exactly what was happening there. Almost like he doesn't trust himself after being in the fire. You know, he, does he, does he not see them as dead anymore? Like maybe he's starting to see them as living ish people you know what i mean i can only surmise that daniel died in the fire and now he's some kind of evil spirit (laughs) he's actually dead and yeah he's uh people can see him but he's not really there he's an evil spirit he doesn't know it okay right Uh, i'm not going to mention any movies that might be a spoiler but he doesn't know he's dead got it uh maybe i i that would be really weird for this show but (laughs) it'd be a little weird you never know uh, anyways, overall, you know, I thought this episode was, was all right, but, uh, it, it did have a lot of stuff or a few things in it that I think could have been just done a lot better. And I, I think if Troy had died at the end, I would have enjoyed it more. Which sounds I like kinda... that there was birds tweeting when Troy was walking away and she didn't shoot him. Like they had birds tweeting in the background. It was very peaceful. Oh, okay. Well, why not? Uh, into the second episode, this one opens with... Nick serving his punishment for his part in the shootout, which is to, I don't know, spend a few days in a metal box and hot box and sweat out his, uh, his evil, I guess. And it starts with him having a hallucination of Troy 
coming up to the box and opening the door and letting him out, but he's not actually there. Yeah, I knew that from the beginning. I suspected right? like, it too. And, and Troy's not going to be back all of a sudden, like right away. No. He's going to, we're going to wait a little bit. So I kind of figured it was some kind of hallucination. And then, because just uh, the lighthearted way he was talking, I was looking for the bandage on his hand to see if it was missing, but it was there. It was there. And then uh, I liked the shot where it, uh, it looked like the door open and then it, uh, it was a close up of uh, Nick and then it panned back and then it was through the hole instead of an open door. I thought that was really well done. That was really nicely done. I thought it was a good reveal that Troy wasn't really there. You know, because yeah. the scene before the door was, was open and Nick was about to get out, but obviously he couldn't. Um, do we have a feeling for how long he was in there? I didn't find it very clear on the show. No, three days, two, three days. Jasper's asleep. All right. Exciting. Yay. <laughs> Celebrate. I'm so happy. That's good. So he was in there a couple of days, um, at least because Madison and Walker said they were leaving for a couple of days to go and find some water. Yeah, I would assume so because they called uh, uh, they called the first night, but didn't call the second night. So I would assume two days. That's a long time to be in a hot box. Well, yeah, you put me in a refrigerator box in the middle of a field in the sun, and I wouldn't enjoy it. No, our air conditioner broke, and we had to live a week without an air conditioner in July, and it was uh, <laughs> oh, damn God, man. I would have, I yeah, I would have. I felt uh, like I had been punished enough. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, tough life. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have an air conditioner, central air in your house. No, I do not. Do not. Sucks. Sucks. Kind of does. For you. Uh, so this episode number, um, 10 here, uh, is pretty much all about the water shortage. So now that everyone is feeling, you know, not so happy about living with each other, things just get worse when there's a water shortage. Um, but Nick spends time working kind of with, kind of against the new militia that is rising up. So now that Troy is gone, the Brokejaw militia has lost its leader and they all come to Nick and kind of invite him to become their new leader. But as the episode plays out, Nick isn't really, the way I saw it, buying into it. He's kind of... No, I knew that from the beginning, though. He's, Wasn't yeah. that obvious? Well, well, it was, but I wasn't sure if he was actually on their side and just trying to legitimately take it slow, or if he didn't agree with them and he was trying to delay them from doing anything. That's what I assumed what was happening. It was that he was... Uh, he didn't think he could oppose them right then, but he could hamper them. So he took the gun so that he would have the gun yeah and uh and say okay just you know let's uh let's cool our jets let's just uh slow our roll as uh the armored pierogi would say and you just you know take it slow everything's fine we're just gonna bide our time you know find the find out the lay of the land and then we'll uh we'll plan and we'll get ready to strike but not right now let's just all go down into the bunker and see if we can find some oreo cookies okay Right, that would but, be nice. But see, then I started, I thought that too, but then I started to get a little confused later on in the episode though, when up to this point, he's been constantly telling them to hold off, hold off, let's bide our time. And then right near the end, he suggests, and it's, it's Nick, the, Nick is the one to suggest that they need to get all their guns and disarm them. And then maybe they can achieve their goals without any bloodshed. Which to me was sort of like, yeah, okay, he still doesn't want to kill anyone. He doesn't want to fight. He doesn't need to get into that again. But he does agree 
that he they need to take back control of this place and not work in cooperation with these people, but basically, you know, lord over them or control right. them. So we just need to uh, make peace by force. Make peace by force. This, exactly. Yeah. Which, again, I don't think is the best <laughs> approach for making peace. But, uh, yeah. W- which is why I think I went back and I thought, okay, all along, does he agree with them? Or or was he really trying to legitimately stall them and hope that it would just fizzle out? You know? So yeah. I, I wasn't sure. I don't know. Well, it seemed like an odd thing to do. But, uh, you know, I believe that Nick doesn't want to, uh, you know, I have a I have an armed conflict. Right. He, they tried that in the house and he didn't enjoy it. And so he's like, no more of that. I had to spend yeah, three days well, in a box. Well, you know, if I was in the middle of a firefight, I think I would be opposed to armed conflict as well. <laughs> probably. Probably, yeah. So um, I think, though, all of that is now behind us because as we get into episode three next week, I think we're really going to start seeing, or or both groups at the ranch are going to start seeing the external threat a little bit more and stop worrying about their internal squabbles. Yeah. So. You know, get over your own shit. We got shit to deal with. That's right. That's right. Um, now, Alicia, in this episode, I think, I think she had a great role to play here, actually. And I think there's some tension brewing between her and her mother. Back in the, uh, in the first episode, as I mentioned, she she accuses Madison of back-channeling with Walker, right? Which is kind of mm-hmm. like saying, Mom, you got to do something here. Pick a side. Um, and in this episode, I feel like when, when, you know, Nick was in the box and Madison went off with Walker, Alicia, in, his away, in a way, was left in charge. Yeah, uh, Madison Walker leaving was, un- that I think, that rises to the level of one of the stupidest things she did in this episode <laughs> because they're the, they're the de facto leaders of this yeah. encampment. They leave, there's a power vacuum. It's like they, neither of them have ever seen a movie, watched TV, or ever gone into a YouTube shame spiral and just clicked new video until like four o'clock in the morning. And who you hasn't know, done that? Everybody does that every now and again. <laughs> right. And you get down stupid roads where you learn about the 21-foot rule for knife versus gun. It's just one of those things you learn. Uh-huh. It's like they, uh, you know, they had she's had her head stuck in a textbook for 20-some-odd years. I'm assuming she's in her late 20s. Uh, and that... Who, Madison? Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, I don't, I can't tell ages for people I, really bad. I'm lucky I can tell people's genders. Well, I'm bad at that kind of thing. <laughs> anyway. I'm pretty sure she's not in her late twenties. Anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They all seem pretty naive for someone that, for people that should be, you know, world wise. Yeah. I mean, I spend most of my time sitting in front of a computer screen and I know this shit. Well, I agree. I barely I, go out in the real world at all. I, I, I think both of them leaving was kind of ridiculous uh as you said power vacuum and that's when people are going to get restless and be like well now's our chance to do something stupid even if they don't think of it like that right yeah we got a really big crisis brewing here where everybody's on edge we got multiple crises we got like three separate crises going on here Mm -hmm. we got an exiled guy we got uh we got all water shortage and we've got these two groups of people that hate each other all living in the same bed essentially Mm -hmm. uh so uh we better go Right? Like, we better take this water truck that luckily we have for some reason, and we just got to go. 
and a bunch of pipe bombs full full of money. I don't understand that. Were they full but of? We'll get there. Were they full of gold? Is that what that I, was? I think they were full of coins. It looked like coins, but I wasn't clear what they were trading for in this episode. So we'll get there in a second. What I want to say about Alicia is. Despite all of that, <laughs> yeah, I do think Alicia being left in charge was good for her character. And I liked what they did with Alicia in this episode. She's been left in charge and she's starting to see her mom, Madison, kind of for what she is. And that's a bit of a two time and liar character who's working right. both sides. And that's not, Alicia doesn't like that. And then there's also the scene where, um, uh, she's standing up to Nick, you know, after he's been let out saying, I don't like what you've become. And I think she's referring to him again, working with the militia and having such a, in a way, a tendency to, uh, towards violence now, but she's also struggling with this role she's been put in as kind of, you know, the one person in the family who's still trying to, to, to make things right amongst everybody. And I think that's good for the character. So I liked what they're doing with Alicia in this episode and, if that means they had to get Madison out of the picture for a little while for her to come to the forefront, I'm sort of okay with that, despite it being crazy for the leader of the group to just take off for two days. Yeah. Right? Well, okay, yes. For In the case of Madison, yes. Everything else, stupid. <laughs> right. Well, hey, they got to do something with Alicia, and I think they did a good job here. Now, on the other side of that coin, characters that they're not, I think, using very well, there's Ophelia. And like, what are they doing with her? She's, she kind of hangs around. I feel like she's there almost to be a bridge between the two groups. You know, she's the one when, um, Walker's right-hand man, whose name I can't remember, was going to take the well. Remember he, he tells everyone yep. to step aside. He's going to take the well and then Nick gets in front of him. She's the one who stops him from doing something violent against Nick. So she's the one who's kind of trying to keep the peace on their side but at other times i feel like she's firmly on walker's side and really has no interest in any sort of resolution with these uh with these other people so i'm just worried they're not going to wrap up her storyline in a satisfying way and They'll the other thing kill her well the other I mean thing is she's hanging around you know waiting to be found by by daniel and oh that that's why she's here that's why she's here right and but it feels like we're just waiting to get to that, if you know what I mean, right? And yeah. so in the meantime, it's sort of like, what's she doing? So yeah. they got to keep giving her something to do because they need her later. Well, that's the thing. That's what they need yeah. her later. But right now she's just hanging around and. Yeah, I know. I got that kind of situation at work right it, now. Well, it'll all be worth it if the resolution of her storyline is amazing. And I'm, I'm fully looking forward to that. And I hope that's how it, it plays out but right now it kind of feels like well just maybe keep her on the sidelines a little more <laughs> and bring her yeah. back when we need her so yeah that's a good idea uh anyways um all right so like the shootout in the last episode that was sort of the big one big thing i think the one big thing in this episode is this whole trading post community they get to yeah they went to barter town this place so built in some kind of stadium Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a whole operating like little town city almost with bars. There's a scene where Madison's sitting, having a drink at a bar. Yeah. There prostitutes are 
what I assumed were prostitutes. Okay. Assumed well, I assume prostitutes. a lot of people are prostitutes, so it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there are assumed prostitutes. Yeah. There's people, uh, you know, just little shops, little stands. You can trade for things. There's a whole uh, entry credit system that they have to go through. <laughs> you get to pay for parking. You got to pay for parking. Freaking zombie apocalypse. You got to pay for parking and security fees. Security fees. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying they have all these systems set up and it feels like this has happened all really quickly. You know what the other thing I felt is as soon as they walked in there, do you know what it reminded me of? Uh, Beyond Thunderdome? No, that's not it. But I bet some listeners are probably going Tatooine, Tatooine. It reminded oh, yeah, me of Tatooine. Tatooine. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. A whole like cantina feel to it. When, um, oh, there was a dude getting his eye tattooed. Yeah. Like that was crazy. And then the scene where they go to meet with the water lady who they want to trade the, who they want to buy the water from, I guess. Apparently her name was Maria Lou. Um, but that whole scene felt to me like Luke and Obi-Wan sitting in the cantina negotiating with Han Solo for passage on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. I, no, I didn't catch that at the time, but yeah, I was too stuck on uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome where they went to Bartertown and mm. uh, there was, you you saw that movie, well, right? Yes, but it's Did been a long- we talked about that? We have, yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. Okay. So they, you know, they go to Bartertown and then there's Master Blaster and mm-hmm. uh, Tina Turner. So- that's, I was I was hoping for Tina Turner in some kind of big, uh, you know, fighting arena. Well, yeah, I can completely see that as well. But I went to Star Wars. You went to Mad Max. I, yeah, that's true. Uh, I should have gone to Star Wars. I feel stupid for not going to Star Wars. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. Uh, but, I mean, what did you think of this whole set piece, this whole community that they had here? Like, did it work for you? No, it was absolutely ridiculous. Oh, there's, damn it, there's man. Just, there's no way. Sorry. <laughs> I... I've decided, and my instinct at first was like, this feels a little too organized, but I decided to go with it. And I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna release all of my hesitation with this thing and go with it. And I ended up really enjoying it. I think it's a really cool kind of setup they've encountered it was, here. It was a little too contrived. It's a little too, uh... You know, role-playing game, you know, you show up, it's the zombie apocalypse, sure, but, you know, they have these, uh, this place, you got to have some place where you can buy bullets, mm-hmm. like, or else what are you going to do? Look for bullets in stores and stuff? Well, you're That's gonna, crazy. You're going to make you them. Gotta, yeah, you got to find a, a community where you can buy stuff and trade and, uh, yeah. And it has to be organized because if it's not organized, it's just going to be pandemonium and you don't want that. So it, it just, it seemed a little, a little too, uh you know, role-playing game, tabletop, right. video, whatever, what have you. These places exist everywhere in, uh, in role-playing games. So yeah, yeah. I felt a little uh, cheated. I know what you mean when you say that, but I've decided that this show on one hand stays extremely grounded in reality in that it's all about family and it's all about Madison doing whatever it takes to protect her family, her children. And then on the other hand, you get this totally wonky, out there, ridiculous trading post setup that's straight out of Mad Max or Star Wars. And when you combine the two, they kind of balance each other out a little bit. So yeah, I was okay well, with at it. At least with Star Wars, you have the Empire that you're 
that is underpinning all of the different societal issues that's going on, right? Uh-huh. Here, you don't have that huge collective where you're trying to secretly have a black market uh, where you're getting away from. This is the society. And I don't think that this society would naturally evolve from this situation. Or at least that quickly, like maybe give it some more time. Uh- I don't even know. I can't, I can't tell if, uh, it's happening because the zombie apocalypse is so new or it's happening because the zombie apocalypse has been around for so long that this thing would automatically arise. It's just, it's, it doesn't meet either one of those scenarios in my mind. Right. Cause we haven't been around in this show in the zombie apocalypse yeah, for that long. Yet. I mean, it wouldn't, it, society wouldn't backslide that quickly and get organized that quickly in this fresh zombie apocalypse. And even if it was three years after the outbreak of the, uh, of the full on apocalypse, would this kind of thing arise? Maybe. I mean, uh, uh, Negan has this kind of situation going on. It's a little bit more organized than this, but it, and it's internal rather than external, allowing other people in to do trading and stuff. It's all just trading from within their own organization. But I just, I, I, I think the zombie apocalypse is too fresh for this to happen. And, uh, it's, it, it's been around for too long for this to happen. In a way. <laughs> in a way. Right. So I, I, I just, I, I'm having a hard time buying into it. Sure, it's fun right. and it's interesting having a guy tattooed and apparent prostitutes, maybe in my own mind. Uh, and there's, you know, you can buy water from, uh, you know, 5,000 gallons from this lady because she could scrape it together. Uh, and there's gambling and there's bars and there's uh, somebody auctioning a motorcycle That's from right. what I saw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, and you know, it's all, there's parking fees. Like, come on. (laughs) I mean, sure, there's always parking fees, but, you know, it's a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, one of the uh, assurances in life, Jason, is that you have to pay for parking. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, taxes, death and taxes. Death, death, taxes, and parking. Well, I, I completely see what you're saying, but I just decided to let myself go with it and let the ridiculous balance out the very grounded that this show presents. And uh, I had a good time with it. So um, we'll see. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see this community too much more, but it feels like it's almost too big of a setup to create, not to use for, well, to just use for one episode, you know. But Well, they're going to burn it down, we'll right? Yeah, That's they usually th- what they do. They got to light it on fire and burn it down. That's right. Uh, so anyways, they're in there. And then, of course... Who shows up? Victor Strand. Of course, that's where he is. That's where he is. And um, what I liked about this is the way Strand and Madison interacted when they met. They picked up like old friends. Yeah. And he's the hand solo in this episode. Oh, totally. He's got the conflict. He's in debt. He's trying to get out of debt. He's, you know, we're just missing, uh, where's Chewbacca? I just want Chewbacca. We need, we need Chewbacca. Chewie. is the best. <laughs> he is. Uh, he totally is. But I, I liked how that moment when, you know, they sat down together and she was talking about how she found her kids, but lost Travis. Yeah. I really felt the connection between the two of them at that point. And uh, I think that is something that has been missing a little bit from the main cast of this show. I know Madison has a connection with her kids, but they're her kids. They, she, she has to, right? Um, but to see Madison and Strand reconnect like that, 
I really liked it. I really liked it. I thought they did. I, real, I agree with you. I think that was the best part of this episode. And probably that scene was the best part of both of these episodes. It was really nice. It was touching. They did pick up where they left off. He was genuinely concerned for her and upset that, uh, that her husband died, but she you know, and glad that he, that she found her kids. Yeah. It solidified those two, even though they haven't known each other a long time, we never really saw this side of them before, right? It's like absence makes the heart grow fonder. And as soon as they came back together, they realized, you know what? We were good together. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean together like in a romantic couple kind of way. Just we spent some time together. We got to know each other and we should try to hang on to that because it worked, right? Yep. So I thought that was a really, really great scene. I also thought that Victor was his usual hilarious self saying things like, who's this handsome man you're traveling with? <laughs> I was going to bring that up. That was nice. And then, and then when they wake up in the morning and Walker's gone, he says, uh, Taka is not a talker, <laughs> right? <laughs> which, which I liked. I thought that was pretty good. Um, so it was nice to see Strand again and they didn't really waste any time reintroducing him to, you know, this season, which is great. Um, but his punishment, can we talk about his punishment for a minute? We sure can. So, so he owed a debt to somebody at uh, this trading post. Did it happen? I assumed it was Jabba the Hutt. Well, yeah, it was um, uh, the, uh, what did they call the leader of this place again? It was Proctor John. Proctor John. Oh my goodness. I just got, I just put it together. Jabba the Hutt is Tina Turner. In the in Beyond Thunderdome, Tina Turner is the big bad boss, and then in in, in, in Star Wars, it's Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt. So Jabba the Hutt is Tina Turner. Nothing against Tina Turner, I love her, <laughs> but she's Jabba, Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt, uh, on the other hand, is a great big slime ball. <laughs> he sure is. He sure is. Well, in this case, it's uh, Proctor John, I believe they called him. He's the leader of this place, who we never meet, but is referred to a couple of times. So, do you think this character is going to? To be somebody on the show, like, or is, absolutely, or, or you don't think Proctor John is just going to be this mythical, like, leader of this community that we never see? No, it's, well, uh, you know, with some very few notable exceptions on television, when you name a thing, you have to show a thing. True. Right. The only real notable exception I can think of uh, is uh, Norm's wife on Cheers. They keep naming her, but she never shows up on screen. Right. But that's part of the gag, right? That's a comedy. And uh, yeah, but generally speaking, if you name something, you have to show it. True. And I think they will. I was thinking all along, we're going to find out Proctor John, or we're going to meet this character and he is going to play an important part in the rest of this season. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out if that's the crossover character with our, with our big show. <laughs> and if it is, who is it? Proctor John. Um is it that well, can't be the cheese maker. Uh, Eastman. Probably not. No, probably not. Yeah. Anyway. We'll find out. Be, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Probably not, but I, I like to think. Yeah, yeah, why not? Uh, but back to Strand's punishment. So he owes a debt, and when you owe a debt and you can't pay it, your punishment is to get chained to the fence, and you have to fight off zombies for an indeterminate amount of time. I was, uh, I was a little sad to not know how much he owed. And not understand the actual sentence. How long is he supposed to be out there? Is it just like his debt is to die? Like kill as many zombies until he is exhausted and dies? Or 
kill a certain number and that's how they clear zombies from the fence by sort of forcing people to yeah. do it. You owe 50 bucks, it's five bucks a head. Start killing zombies. Right. You know? I don't know. I didn't really understand that. And it wasn't clear on, yeah, what his debt was exactly other than he owed it to the same people they were trying to buy the water from because Madison used their gold or whatever that was to pay Strand's debt. Yeah. Pipe bomb money. It looked like pipe bomb money. Yeah, exactly. I've been, uh, I've been working with, uh, uh, black iron pipe. And, uh, uh, so I, I, as soon as I saw that, I'm all like, oh, it's a inch and a half, uh, galvanized steel pipe. Interesting. Interesting. You can fill it with gold <laughs> coins and buy water with it. Apparently they look like pipe bombs, but they're filled with gold. And apparently, uh, gold is better than pipe pipe bombs in this universe, well, this world, the zombie apocalypse. Who wants gold? Like what the, well, I mean, I guess they're trading in what poker chips. Well, they, but, they have all kinds of stuff in this trading post community. So maybe there's a use for gold. I don't know. Oh, and that's the other stupid thing that Madison did. She traded away her radio in order to get in there. Uh, she could have just made a phone call. Just like, oh, uh, by the way, Alicia, I'm trading away the radio. I'll talk to you when I get back. She tried. Instead of just, she tried? Yes. As soon I as, missed, I watched it twice and I missed it. As twice? soon as the woman asked for the radio, she said, the radio's not for sale. And the woman said, that'll buy you two days inside that radio, long range radio. So she takes it out, tries to radio Alicia. Alicia doesn't answer. And then she trades the radio in. Oh, I'm a dummy. I missed that twice. I watched that episode twice and I missed that both times. All right. Well, so you, Pay attention, man. you can take that off of her list of stupid things because she at least tried. Um, okay. Strand. They take him out there. Uh, they take him out there at night. They chain yep. him to the fence. We go to a commercial break and we come back and it's bright daylight and he's fighting zombies. Nice. Didn't understand the timeline, to be fair. And, uh, you know, it was a changeover. I enjoy the fact that it was done in daylight because I was complaining about the whole shootout being at night. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that went to daylight, but man, it's, it, what did he stand out there for a few hours till the sun came up? I, I didn't, I didn't understand it kind of bothered Yeah, me. it was a, it was a fade to black and you come back and it's some time have passed. It could have been a week. I have no idea. Well, that's the thing. Uh, it couldn't have been cause they were only, the radio only got them in there for two days. But anyways, he was, it was, uh bright daylight he fought off the zombies but then we find out his debt's been paid by madison because she wants strand to take them to the dam which he mentioned earlier because that's where all the fresh water is and here we go off to the dam which is the dumbest thing that uh, madison did in this episode like sure it's easier to get forgiven than it is to get permission but don't screw over the guy who's trying to make a deal like, yes, because uh, Walker just say I did this instead of like actively not telling him so that he goes to make the deal for the water, yet all his coins are gone and he looks like an idiot and possibly gets shot for wasting the time of the water lady. Yeah. Easier to beg for permission than ask, sorry, beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. And that's the philosophy she took here. But yes, you're right. But she, she did it in a really... It puts. I, I was going to say evil, but I can't really give that to her because uh, I, I don't know. Uh, evil would be good, but it's not. It's. It seems very conniving that she just she screwed him over so badly. Yeah. Uh, in order to achieve her own goals, which I, you know, I applaud her 
thought process she could have told him hey he knows where there's a dam with like uh, 50 billion barrels of fresh clean water that we can go and fill up this truck uh no problem hundreds uh, of times over probably what's that well, they can fill up the truck hundreds of times over yeah right however they could drive up to lake superior i mean it's a bit of a hike but uh, there's lots of water there right <laughs> yeah plenty but they're in <laughs> southern California, don't forget. Well, whatever. I mean, yeah. You got to do what you got to do. Sure. Uh, So, yeah, I just, I don't like the way she actively screwed over Walker in this situation. No, you're right. She put him in a a bad position by by not saying anything. That said, I do kind of think it's a clever storytelling device here to have Madison trade their stuff to have, you know, to so Strand will take them to the dam. I mean, you know they have to get to the dam. And this feels like the right way to do it. I mean, it just feels like yeah. a, a sort of a fairly natural way to get them there, you know, without them just stumbling across it or whatever. Um, but you're right. Just execute the plan a little bit better and don't throw your partner under the bus, basically. Yeah. I mean, explain the plan. Yeah. And if she, if, if I was Walker and she explained the plan to me, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds reasonable. That's a good plan. Let's, that's a good plan. Instead of getting... I don't know what from this lady. She says it's clean water, but you know, where did she get it? She's been siphoning from toilets and she used coffee <laughs> filters to make it clean. Like that's probably not good enough. No. Uh, whereas if that's a, a known source of fresh water and we got a truck and we got a guy who knows where it is, we just have to get him out of Hawk. Yeah. Okay, fine. Give him the pipe bomb money. Let's, let's go. I enjoyed also when she, she walks back there and, and Walker's saying, what the hell did you do? And she says, I paid Strand's debt because he has a solution for all of us. And he's like, I do? <laughs> you know, Strand didn't even know what was going on, of course. No, he, well, he had his mind on uh, something else. Right, exactly. day and a night. But I, I did think that was, that was funny. So, so that brings us um, more or less to the, well, getting close to the end anyways. The, the other thing that happens towards the end is that, uh, the militia with Nick, they go to try and execute some sort of plan to disarm all of the, um, uh, the other people. And they find Alicia digging for water, I guess, with some of those folks. Nick decides to go and help. And that seems to be all it took for everyone to come together, work together, dig for water, even though it seems like they all know they're not going to find any under there, but, uh, it kind of put their conflict to rest to bed. It felt like. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about water is if you dig deep enough, you're either going to hit water, gold, or lava. Right. One or the other. And only one of those things is helpful when you need a drink. (laughs) Yeah. In this particular situation. Yes. But you know, there's a water table. There's got to be a water table. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we know that because there was another well. So if you just have to keep digging until you find it. It is. It just, it seemed like just the act of working together is all it took. Like the act of someone demonstrating the togetherness is all it took to get at least this group to, to stop fighting. So yep. it felt a little weird to me, but I also liked it. I think it puts that storyline behind us a little bit. And now we're going to move forward into conflict with the dam and whatever else we get into. And I did like that overhead shot that finished the episode looking straight down. To me, it looked like a bunch of people digging a hole in the moon, you know? It, it was, yeah. You know, it just, it it was all, I mean, it wasn't really the color of the moon, but it was all dry and yeah, completely wasteland. And 
and it looked like a crater they were digging, you know, more than a hole. So yeah. you probably won't find water if you dig on the moon. No, I doubt it. I doubt it. It does uh, have a molten core, I think, though. The moon? Yeah, maybe. Because it has a magnetic field. I don't know anyway, if it has I don't a molten know. core. I'm not sure. I know it has regolith, and you don't like that word. You don't think it's a real word, but that's okay. What is it? Regolith? It doesn't sound like a real word. It's a real word. It's the, the type of sand that's on the moon. Uh, it does. It's not, uh, it's very sharp and has lots of jagged edges because it doesn't have the normal wind or water to erode off all those sharp edges. So this, the dust that gets kicked up just falls down and sits there. Whereas on earth, it gets blown by wind and they knocked over each other by water and wind and it rounds off all the, uh, the sharp edges, but not on the moon. So it sticks to everything. It's got pointy little bits. It's like walking through a, a thorn thicket and you just get thorns all over the place. It's, it's called regolith. Look it up. It's an actual word. I think you're making it up. I'm not. All right. Uh, so there you go. Those are the two, that's the two episodes pretty much. Um, I got to admit, I did not find it super compelling to watch them bicker over the well water as much as we did, but that's why I'm also saying I'm glad that I feel like that's kind of behind us now. You know, we've had yep. our conflict and as we suspected, they're going to have to sort of come together in a way to, uh, to, to resolve their issues and probably fight against a, an outside conflict. Um, and then I wasn't really happy with the way Troy's storyline resolved for now and the for now is the biggest problem i think he, it's not done yet when it should be but um you know other than that i liked the strand stuff i liked the the trading post stuff and um i'm enjoying what they're doing with alicia so you know there was there was some stuff to like in these two episodes here and i think we're doing just fine so far for the second half of season three for fear yeah, it makes you feel any better. The fact that there's such a lack of uh, fresh, clean water and that Troy has a double stab wound in his hand, there's a real good chance that it's going to get infected and he'll die. Well, that's true. He'll just, he'll just keel over somewhere out in the, in the wilderness and uh, that'll be that for him. Yeah, and his, uh, in his twisted mind, the only way to solve his problem is by taking the one bullet and shooting it through his hand in order to make a fresh wound that, you know, this wound won't be infected. Boom! Yeah, I'm going to shoot the infection off this one. And if that doesn't work, he still has a knife. He can just keep stabbing his hand. He's going to have to just cut his hand off and then, you know. Yeah, that could happen too. Cut off the infection. It's like Homer Simpson's uh, sinking in quicksand. First, I'm going to reach in with my arms to pull out my legs. And now I'll pull out my arms with my face. <laughs> so I really, uh, you know, based on uh, cartoons that I've seen as a kid, I really thought the quicksand would be a bigger problem than it actually is in life. Oh, it's not a problem at all around here. I don't think it's a problem anywhere. No, probably not. But you're right. If you watch, if you learn anything from cartoons, people are getting stuck in it all the time. Or Gilligan's Island, uh, you know, <laughs> all kinds of cartoons and stuff. Yeah. I really thought it'd be a big problem in my life. Well, luckily it's not because that would, that would concern me if there was, you were always at risk of falling into quicksand as you were I mean, walking Sinkholes on the other around. hand. Oh my God. They uh, scare the shit out of me. roads and stuff. Yeah. Shit. That's dangerous. It is. And I don't want to make fun of sinkholes. Quicksand. Sure. But sinkholes. Yeah, quicksand, yeah. No, sinkholes are a real problem. They are. Do you remember when a sinkhole opened in Ottawa a couple of years ago, right in downtown Ottawa? Yep, I remember. Isabel is afraid to go to Ottawa because they have sinkholes there, and she saw it on the news. 
She's not wrong. Well, I we, we, we've been talking about taking them to Ottawa, showing them the Parliament buildings, showing them the National Gallery, going to an Ottawa Senators game. And she's like, Daddy, I don't want to go to Ottawa. They have sinkholes. I'm like, yeah, good point. You know what they do to sinkholes to make them all better? Fill them in with concrete? Just keep filling them in until they're full. That doesn't seem right to me. <laughs> Does not. Okay, that's enough about sinkholes. Um, if you guys have any thoughts on both or either of these episodes, send in your feedback and we're not going to do any listener feedback today um but if you know if, if you have some thoughts send them in we will do a little bit of a listener feedback recap uh next week on the podcast before we talk about the next episode of the show cool so with that being said i look forward to next week and in the meantime if you do want to contact us the send voicemail button is the one thing I have already implemented on the new stripped down website. So visit talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail. You can still record a message and it will come right into us. You can also just use your phone voice memo app. If you have one, record it and email it to us. If you'd like to do that, send your email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Any thoughts or, you know, feelings about these uh, two episodes, send them in. You can find us on the Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And uh, if you really want to to help out, super appreciate it. Visit our website and click on Amazon in the menu and then uh, click on the country of your choice. And then when you do all your shopping at Amazon, you will have um, a tiny little cut will come back to us and you will have helped out. So we really appreciate everyone who does that. Um, all right. That is going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Anything else to say before we wrap up, Jason? I don't believe I do have anything else to say before we wrap up, Christopher. One of these days, you're going to surprise me and, and, and have some profound knowledge to impart to me. And uh, I look forward to that day. There was a guy wearing a Doors shirt. I thought that was neat. <laughs> in the episode yeah, in there. the episode i'm trying to i've been trying to find the actor off and on uh it's the same actor he was in uh traffic i believe and i'm trying to find him i can't find him anywhere i but, do remember uh, the guy he was one of the guys at the dam right talking yeah and walking with daniel and uh what's her name there yeah he had a doors t-shirt i was a big fan of the doors back in the 90s early 90s so uh that was nice to see the doors and lighten your hair on fire in the 90s uh, yeah. I mean, the doors were early 90s, lighting my hair on fire was the late 90s. Totally different time. Oh, totally. It's a whole, <laughs> nearly a whole decade apart. <laughs> I used to listen to the doors on my tape Walkman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to listen to uh, Guns N' Roses on my Sony Walkman, the big yellow thing with the black clip that held it shut. Oh, yeah. That's exactly the one I had. Yeah. Everybody had That was one awesome. <laughs> it was waterproof in case you ever went swimming for some reason with your Walkman. You could if you but wanted you to. You couldn't listen to it though. You had to take it apart and like, anyway. Yeah. Cause wish they, I still had that thing. Well, uh, yeah, those are antiques at this point. Anyhow, uh, send in your feedback, everyone. Thanks for tuning in until next time. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.